Good morning, good morning, good morning. Praise God. What a great place to be today in the house of the Lord. Amen. And uh, I think Barb alluded to it a little bit earlier. You could have been anywhere else this morning and you chose to be with us. So we certainly want to welcome you. If you are a guest and if you're visiting, we're so glad to uh, have you with us. I believe we have a couple of visitors with us today. Lisa, is that her name? Lisa back here, we welcome you this morning. And Lynette, we welcome her this morning. Church, let's welcome them this morning. Amen. God bless you. Amen. We, uh, what's that? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I was going to say, if you're visiting, we certainly hope you come back and visit us again. Amen. So we're just so thankful that everyone is here this morning. We do want to encourage everybody uh, about Wednesday's service. There's a little few changes. Uh, since Miss April has moved on, she will not be here with us as she was, per se, all of the time. So I've taken over her Wednesday evening prayer at 6.30. So we encourage everyone to be here at 6.30. We begin to pray, and we will try to pray at least until 5 till. Uh, a lot of times we take prayer requests and uh, takes up some time, but we'll we'll try to get those in. But we do want to pray because it's important to pray. We can find all through the Bible that Jesus prayed. Many times he prayed all through the night. So if we can pray and come together as a uh, group, which is even more, you know, so we're so glad uh, that you're coming out for that prayer at 630 uh, also at 7, uh, last Wednesday I started a teaching on the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I believe we laid a good foundation for that. We're talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. That's not what you uh, received when you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So there is another filling. And the result of that is being filled with the Holy Ghost. And the evidence of that is being uh, speaking with other tongues. So if you have accepted Jesus as your personal Savior and you have not filled, been filled with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, there's another work that God wants you to have. And that gift is for every believer. Amen. So you may have been saved and the Spirit came in you, but you still need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and the evidence of that is to speak with other tongues. Um, I was reading a book a couple of nights ago by T.L. Osborne. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of T.L. Osborne, and he wrote a book called The Purpose of Pentecost. And several times throughout that book, he made the comment, and it's so true, I'd almost let it slip my mind, that it's not about the tongues. Too many people make too much over the tongue issue. It's not about the tongues. The tongues is the evidence of being filled with the Spirit. You were filled with the Spirit when you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. But there's more than one filling. There's many fillings all throughout the Bible. We can see uh, many times in my life there's been refillings in my life. But the evidence, and that's what we're talking about, is the speaking with tongues. There's a supernatural language that you don't have anything to do with. And you are not filled with the Holy Ghost until you speak with other tongues. 
So, I mean, it's scripturally based. We encourage you to come and listen and be a part of that. So if you are a believer, that's something that you can believe God for. It's a gift. It's free. It's for everyone. If it hadn't have been for you, God, through his son Jesus, would have never brought it up. So I'm just so glad to know that's something else that God has for us. Amen. But you need to make it real clear. You do have the spirit in you, but you are not filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues until that second filling happens. And we're going to look at some more scripture this Wednesday. So we're just so thankful that we can do that. Amen. Well, praise God, it is Communion Sunday, one of my favorite Sundays, amen? Why? Because the table has already been spread. I can remember as a little boy working, working and or playing outside and waiting for my mom to say, it's ready, come and get it, supper's on the table. I don't know if you all uh, were used to things like that, but I was. Man, I couldn't wait to get in where the table was. It's ready. But the table is spread for you this morning. We're talking about the communion table. And our title this morning is, What is the Purpose? What is the Purpose of Communion? You know what? There ought to be a purpose for everything that you do. I've been reading another book this week. I read several books during the week. I just like to get a lot of stuff. Brother Kenneth Hagin wrote a book entitled, Plans, purposes, and pursuits. And until we have a plan, you know, God has a plan for us. God has a plan as individuals. God has a plan for this local church. God has a plan for everyone in this world. And as believers, we have to find out what that plan is. The first step of that plan is to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's part of the plan. And there are many other things. And he goes on and says in this book, when you find the plan for your life, amen, you need to find out the purpose of that plan. And when you find out the purpose of your plan, now as a whole, this church has a plan. And we have a purpose. As individual believers, God has a plan for you. And you have a purpose. And the last part of that book, he said, you need to pursue it because God can give you the right plan. God can give you the right purpose. But unless you pursue the plan and the purpose, it's not going to come together. Isn't that good? It is. So God does have a plan and a purpose for everybody in here, as well as this local church, as well as the United States of America. God has a plan for our country and it's to live in a country that's free that's free to worship any way we choose regardless of race creed or color amen so god has a purpose he has a purpose for communion and i wanted you to look at these today i want to read them to you what is a purpose you know, pastor, you've been talking about a purpose. Well, what is a purpose? You may not think you don't have a purpose in life, but yes, you do. Yeah. Yes, you do. God uh, loves you, and your purpose is to serve him. Yeah. But a purpose is a desired goal. You'll find out here whether you have a purpose or not. You have a desired goal. God puts something in you, a desire. 
a desire on the inside of you. A purpose is a desired goal. It's a deliberate intention. God deliberately has a purpose for your life. He does it on purpose. Amen? Uh, His purpose is his will. You've heard me say it many times. And his will is what? His word. Hallelujah. Talking about purpose. Purpose is his desire. His desire. Purpose is a desire that you need to have. A purpose is to be set forth. And I believe God has done a wonderful, magnificent God in, a job in setting forth his purpose in 66 books of these Bibles. He has a plan. He has a purpose, but we must pursue those things that he's got for us. And he has a purpose for communion. Everybody say that with me. He has a purpose for communion. And that big purpose is to remember him. We're going to read this here real soon. So if you would, let's turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Beginning in verse 23, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If you've got your Bibles, let's turn there. If you have a device, I'll give you a little time to get on it. You need to start carrying a Bible to church. You need to know whether I'm telling you the truth or not. You need to know whether I'm reading Scripture to you or not. You need to find a Bible that you can mark up and make notes in and write colors in and remind yourself of it. Amen? Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 23. He says, For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Verse 25. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Looks to me like he what? He had a purpose. I said he had a purpose. Twice he mentioned remembering me. Amen. Remembering me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. I'll never be ashamed of what your word says or what your word teaches. I just want to be a proponent of it, and I want to be an activist about it. So I thank you, Father. Let's get active about your word. So we thank you, Father, as we receive our communion today. Let's receive everything that comes with it, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. What is the purpose of communion? We're going to look at several things here. One is the purpose of communion is to what? Remind the believers of Jesus' provision that was purchased at Calvary. That's something we can never get enough of is continuing to remind people of what Jesus has already done where? On the cross of Calvary. Remember, there's a purpose For communion. Can you say amen? There's also a partnership. A partnership. Communion means to partnership. Partners coming together in relationships. Sharing with one another. Isn't it good to know that we can 
partner together this morning, that we can come together in our relationship with Lord Jesus Christ as believers. Yes, there's a purpose, but there's also what? A partnership. Communion symbolizes our relationship with Jesus. Every time we partake of communion, in a sense, we relive our salvation experience because it's all about him. Remembering him. Probably everyone in here remembers the time when you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior. That was a relationship that you began one-on-one. The relationship that you build today has everything to do with your relationships tomorrow. We're building relationships through the communion table. Amen? We're reminded of it in a sense of how clean it is. How clean his table is. How wholesome his table is. How freedom How much freedom there is at his table. How much joy there is and how much peace there is at his table. We're not talking about just any table, but we're talking about his table. Communion helps us never to forget that the provision of salvation is only possible because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Look over here in Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, looking here. At verse 22. Hebrews chapter 9. And verse 22. Hallelujah. Verse 22. Are you ready? It says. And almost all things are by the law. Purged with blood. And without. And without. The shedding of blood. There is no remission. Of sin. So aren't you glad to know that if Jesus had not have shed his blood, we would have had no remission. We would have no way to have our sins forgiven. But in his grace on the cross, when he stretched out his arms and said, Father, it is finished. When he shed his blood on the cross, amen, Every drop of blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary was shed for your remission. That your sins would be covered. I'm always amazed that people want to question other people's lives when the blood has already remitted their sins. Now, you may not forget it, but you know what? God has already forgot my iniquities. He's already forgotten my sin. He will not come to me and bring it up. He will not bring it up and say, remember when. He has a bad uh, memory when it comes remembering my past as well as your past. What has your past got to do with you serving God today? Aren't you glad to know that your sins are where? 
under the blood of Jesus Christ. Read that again. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood and without what? The shedding of blood. The blood had to be shed on the cross of Calvary. If Jesus had not shed his blood, you and I would still be in our sins and we would have no way to have our sins remitted. But I'm glad to know that because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, when he preached his own gospel, hanging on the tree and he shed his own blood he brought me in and he brought you in and I'm glad to know that because of the sins of the world were remitted done away with because of the man called Christ glory to God yeah communion has a purpose communion has a partnership but it also has a participation You need to participate unless a person has partaken of Jesus Christ in redemption. In other words, unless you have asked Christ to come into your life. Amen. Unless you have asked Christ to come into your life in and through the plan of redemption through the new birth, his participation in the communion table is nothing more to you than a ritual. If you have not been born again, if your sins are not under the blood, I would tell you this morning, don't come to this table. Do not come to this table. But if you know for a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is your Savior, And if Jesus were to come today and he was to walk up to you and he was to ask you, are you ready to go? If you could look at him in his eyes and say, yes, sir, I am. The table is open. The table is open. Folks, the table is not just open for anybody. It isn't. It's open to born again believers. Believers who have believed In what Jesus has already done on the cross of Calvary. It's a done deal. But are you part of the deal? The only way you can be a part of the deal is to accept the rules that we need to go by. Folks, this this, this is simple. Unless you've been born again, you're not in the family. The family of God. There's one way in. Amen? Amen? Jesus said, I'm the door. And if you try to come in any other way, you're as a thief and a robber. There's one way in, and it's his way. There's one way, and it's his way. Amen. I mean, that that shouldn't even be debatable. You must be born again to participate in this table. Now, you know, and I know, well, I know more about me than I know more about you because I know how I've been living, but I don't know how you've been living. Only you know how you've been living. And if you've been living according to what the, the Bible teaches us, amen, then as a believer, amen, you're welcome to partake of the table today. I'm not saying that, that everybody in here has not made mistakes. You're looking at the big mistaker. Right here, I make a lot of mistakes, but I don't let it go. I don't let it go uh, very far until I have a talk with my father. 
and I repent. And I talk to him a lot. Amen. And I'm glad to know that I can go to him. Can you say amen? Unless a person has partaken of Jesus Christ in the plan of redemption through the new birth, his participation in communion. Now, you can, t- you can come and take it, but it won't mean a thing. All you'll be doing is drinking some juice and eating a little bit of bread. But until you recognize this risen Savior called Jesus Christ, and he becomes real in your heart and real in your life, this communion won't mean anything to you because he died to cause you and I to what? Remember this. Remember every time we do this. Remember what he's done for you. Now, there may be a lot of people out there in your life who's done a lot of things for you, but they don't even come close to what this man Jesus has done for you. And the good thing about it, when we make mistakes, He always has arms like this. Come on. Come on back in. I know you made a mistake and I'm here. I'm waiting on you. I love you. Amen. He's so full of grace. Sad to say not all believers are full of grace that they need to be. Amen. Relationship, family, we're in this together. Amen. Hallelujah. Taking communion out of religious duty without being born again. It's like playing on a team without really being a part of the team. Winning teams, winning teams share in victory when they come together in union and in harmony. And they focus on one understood goal. We're focusing on one understood goal this morning. And it's the communion, the purpose of communion. And to remember why we take communion. He died that you and I could live. I've never had anybody die for me like that. I've never had anybody do that. I'm very appreciative of what Jesus has done for me. And a lot of times, if we'll, if we'll, if we'll do some quick meditation, I tell you, he's done a whole lot for us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And he's not done. He's not done with us yet. He's still working on us. Can you say amen? The fourth thing he's done, he's made provision. He's made provision. Unless a person understands and identifies the elements with Mount Calvary and Christ's provision, the symbols are nothing. The juice and the bread. They're nothing more than a piece of bread and some juice. The bread, everybody say the bread, Bread. represents the broken body of Jesus. Look here in Isaiah. Isn't it good to know that we can always go to the Bible and see what he has to say about it? Isaiah chapter 53. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 53. Now we're going to read here verse 5, but I'm going to read the first five verses because it's so, so important. We're talking about provision, what he has provided. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him a tender plant as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. 
He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Verse 5. But he was what? Wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Folks, that's, pro- that's provision. That's provision. He has provided you healing because of what he went through while he was alive on this earth. Amen? Glory to God. Glory to God. The cup represents the blood of Jesus. We read that over in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25. You can go ahead and put that up there if you have that. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-five. After the same manner, who? He took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup, this cup, this cup that we're getting ready to take this morning is what? It's the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as oft as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. There's no set goal how often we would take communion. We celebrate it here uh, once a month, 12 times a year. We could do it two times a year, 24, or two times a month, 24 times a year. But it wouldn't matter. The point is, as often as we do it, let's do it in remembrance of him. Remembering why we take communion. Remembering why his blood was shed. His blood was shed to cover your sin as well as my sin. Glory to God. Amen. The blood washed away our sins. Aren't you glad to know that? Look over here in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Looking here in verse 16. Hebrews 10, verse 16, 17, and 18. It says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities, you need to remember this. When the devil tries to bring back your past, you need to remember this. Amen. Amen. Your sins are where? They're under the blood of Jesus. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now, where remission of these sins is, there is no more offering for sins. It's already been remitted. There's nothing can come in and say, I'm going to remit your sin because it's already happened. Jesus has been the one who brought himself. Jesus brought his own self. Did you know Jesus brought his own self to the cross? Jesus brought him own self to his own death, but also Jesus brought him own self to the life that he brought when he walked out of the tomb on Resurrection Sunday. I defeated death. Hallelujah. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The blood. Everybody say the blood. The blood broke the power of bondage and sin. 
If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal sin this morning, you are no longer under bondage. Sin does not have you held captive. Amen. The devil cannot keep coming to you and telling you lies and making this up and making this up. Oh, you're not worthy. Look what you did today. You need to turn around or wherever you hear that voice coming from and just say, shut up in the name of Jesus. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been covered by the blood. It's the blood that covers me. If I had a bucket of blood today, I'd just throw it out on you because I'm glad to know it's the blood that covers me. I plead the blood over myself, over my wife, over my children, over this church. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. You cannot be forgiven unless Jesus shed his blood on the cross of Calvary. No way. Glory to God. And when the blood, uh, uh, there's also preparation. You need to get ready. Are you ready? (laughs) When faith is rising from your heart, always partake of communion and ready to do something as well as receive something. Look here at Exodus 12. Very familiar story. Exodus 12. Amen. Let me get over here. We've all heard this, probably heard this in Sunday school <laughs> many times. But how many you know it's good for you to see it? To see it. You need to see it with your own eyes. Amen. You need to meditate on the Word of God. Amen. But look here in Exodus chapter 12. Or excuse me, verse 12. (laughs) Exodus, no, Exodus, I'll get it right in a minute. Exodus 12, beginning in verse (laughs) 3. Exodus 12, beginning in verse 3. Well, let me go ahead. Speak ye unto the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of the month they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers. A lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make you count for the lamb. Talking about relationship. Remember we mentioned that earlier? (laughs) Your lamb shall be without blemish. Amen. Your lamb, amen, shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the, what? The blood. The blood plays a very important, intricate part in your life as a believer. A lot of people call it a bloody religion. Yes, it is. I said, yes, it is. But it wasn't your blood. It wasn't your life. Someone loved you enough to leave 
the glorious portals of heaven and the protection of a divine father to make his way down here through this sinful world to be abused on the cross of Calvary for your sin. Your sin. And shed his blood. Whew, that's powerful. Verse 7 says, And they shall take the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the house, wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Eat not of it raw nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs and with the pureness thereof. Pertness thereof. And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning shall be burnt with fire. And thus shall you eat it. Here he's telling you to what? Get ready. Make preparation. <laughs> you need to make preparation. And thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Amen. Are you ready? Have you made preparations? Has the blood been applied? Have you confessed him as Lord and Savior? See, you're ready. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the man and the beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. Woo! I am the Lord. Mm. And the blood, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, <laughs> when I see the blood, when I see the blood, he's coming, church. This man, Jesus, is going to split the eastern skies. I don't know when, but there's going to be a sound that we've never heard before. And it's going to waken the whole world. There's a sound. But you know what he's looking for? He's not only looking for the saints, but he's looking for the blood. He said, when I see the blood, can you, can, can you see the blood over your door today? Has the blood of Jesus Christ been applied to your life? Not a natural door, but has it been applied to your heart? Has the blood of Jesus got you covered like he said he would? When he's look, when I see the blood, whoa, when I see the blood, you know, when the devil sees the blood, he got to run. I said, he has to run. Come on, folks. When I see the blood. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. <laughs> I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Right. When Jesus comes and raptures the church out of here, off of this earth, not everybody's going. I said not everybody's going. Because not everybody's going to have the blood applied to the doorposts of their heart. Some's going to be left behind. That's why he told them to get ready. That's why as your pastor, I'm telling you to get ready. We need to quit dilly-dallying around and get ready. He could be coming 
tomorrow or the next day. I hope he comes. I hope he comes while I'm jumping up and down and takes me out of here. You know why? You know why he's going to take me? I see the blood. I see the blood in you. I see the blood in you. I see the blood in you. And when I see the blood, I'm going to pass over you. When I see the blood. And this day shall be to you a memorial. And you shall keep it. We're talking about communion. We're talking about communion. And this day shall be to you a memorial. And you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. (laughs) When the blood is applied to the doors of our spiritual house, the enemy, everybody say the enemy. Folks, you know there is a battle out there. There is a battle going on out there. Amen. But when the blood is applied to the doors of our spiritual house, the enemy has no longer any control over you. Look here at John, the Gospel of John, chapter 5. John, chapter 5. Whoo, I tell you. John, chapter 5, and verse 24. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word. But folks, you know, the Bible talks about not everybody that hears, hears. Not everybody that hears, hears, hears. God is always continuously, 24 hours a day, talking to us. Always. I said, he's always talking. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word. Now, he distinguishes it right there. He said, my word. You ought to underline that. My word. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me. Not only do you need to believe his word, but you need to believe who sent him, which is his father. And if you do that, he said, hath everlasting life and shall not come. Listen to this and shall not come into what condemnation, but is what passed from death unto life. Glory to God. Jesus was dead, but he's alive. Amen. I was dead, me. I died out to sin, and I was raised in a newness of life. When I said yes to Jesus Christ, you're not looking at a dead man. You're looking at a man that's alive in Christ. Woo! (laughs) Now look over here, 1 John. His brother. 
First, First John chapter three. Hallelujah. First John chapter three. Look at verse 14. It says, I love this. Did you know you can just know some things? You know, just like y'all know you're in here. Why? Because you know you're here. And I know you're here because I see you. You know I'm here because you see me. But look here at verse 14. It says, we know that we've passed from death. Remember, you, you, you were dead yeah. in trespasses and sin. We know that we have passed from death unto life because I know there's been a transformation in my life. I know the old man has died and the new man has stepped in. Why? Why do I know that? It's a reaction that you have when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. We know that we've passed from death into life because we love the brethren. <laughs> Just take a moment to look around in this congregation. If you want to know if you pass from death unto life, and you can look at everybody in here and you can say, I love the brethren. Then you're alive. Yeah. <laughs> All those included. Then, then. See, we just skip over this verse so easy. Well, how do you know you've been passed from death to life? Well, there's a few people I love. I don't, I don't love everybody. Then you, you, you didn't really die. You didn't die. Maybe you passed out. But if you died, amen, you love the brethren. Amen. Hallelujah. Now we have some war mongrels in the world uh, in different countries. But I tell you what, I can stand in front of you this morning and tell you I love Vladimir Putin. Why? Because I died. Yeah, but look what he's doing to the world. If Adolf Hitler were alive today, I could walk up to him and say, I love you. Even though he annihilated over six million Jews. How can I say that? I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead to those things. I said, I'm dead to those things. Amen. How do I know that I've passed from death to life? I love the brother. I love the less fortunate. There's not a day that I don't drive by somewhere out here. Somebody's standing on a street corner begging for money. I love those people. Why? I'm dead. I'm dead. <laughs> How is it so easy sometimes that we get along with some people and other people we don't? I'm dead. 
I'm dead. <laughs> How do we know we pass from death to life? Because what? We love the brethren and the sisters. <laughs> Amen? He that loveth not. Now, I don't know where your love is, or I don't know how you interpret love. That word love has been thrown around so cheap over centuries uh, that, that it almost, we're talking about God's love. Right. Now, see, when you have God's love, which is unmatchable, and there's only one kind of God's love, just like when we talk about having God's faith, there's only one kind of faith, and that's God's faith. Amen? Hallelujah. It's the agape love of God that has cleansed us all from our sins. Amen. Do I have a trouble do I have problems sometimes in my love walk? Absolutely. Is it always easy for me to love people? Not always. It's not always an easy thing. It's not always an easy thing to accept people because they don't believe like I do. But I can. You know why? I'm dead. <laughs> are you dead? If you are, then you, you know you've passed from death to life. Amen? Because I love you. Our visitors this morning, uh, Lynette and Lisa, I've never met them before. But I want to tell you, you're looking at your new brother. I love you. I don't know nothing about you. Try me and see if I won't try to help you. Try me and see if I won't try to bring things along so that you'll notice that you have passed from death to life. Why? Because we love the brethren. How can I do that, George? I'm dead. I know I'm walking around and I keep saying that, but folks, I tell you, you got to be dead, amen, to progress in Christ. Hallelujah. Let me go on. Glory to God. What a table we have. <laughs> amen. Glory to God. Just as God told the children of Israel to eat the Passover with their loins girded and their shoes on their feet and staff in their hands, you and I are commanded to what? Put on the whole armor of God. Look here in Ephesians, our last scripture, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Did you put on your clothes this morning when you left the house? Hallelujah. If you did, if you did, then you're dressed for battle. I said, if you did, you're dressed for battle. Sometimes we make too much uh, to do about our outward clothing and how we look. But did we really come dressed? <laughs> this is how we win our battles. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. How? How can I do that? You've got to put his armor on. You've got to put your armor on. You got to get dressed. Amen. Put on what? The whole armor of God. Why? Why do we want to put on our armor? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's why. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Amen. 
uh, and rulers of darkness in this world against spiritual weakness in high places, whereof taken to you the whole armor of God, because you're going to face a battle when you face the world. Wherefore, taken to you the whole armor of God, that you may what? Be able to what? Withstand. Without your armor, you're not going to make it. Without God's Word abiding in your heart, it's going to be hard. Able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to what? Stand. Well, I'm just getting tired of standing. Well, just stand anyway. Just stand some more. When is this going to end? I don't know. Just keep standing. (laughs) Verse 14. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, Having on the breastplate of righteousness, let your feet, amen, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Sounds like they're getting ready. Sounds like the children of Israel in the book of Exodus, amen. Above all, in other words, probably the most important thing, taking the shield of faith. Folks, this is a faith walk you're in. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench just some of the things that come at you. Now, come on. This, this is so assuring here. He said you will be able to face all things if you're dressed correctly. Amen. You will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. We need to have the word of God in our life. Amen. We need to be dressed. Before I joined the military, I was a catcher. He's dressed from head to foot. He's behind the batter. He, he had a chest protector. I had one that come way down around here. Don't you think if God can dress you up like that, dress a little old, you can't hurt me nowhere. I'm covered. Well, that's the way the, uh, do you know your purpose or your uh, preparation time you need to make? Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. We're praying this.